You're listening to the Sewing and Growing podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. Morning, everybody. He's got a raspy uh, voice this morning. Uh, vocal that? artists do something yeah. called a vocal fry. Would you mind giving us a quick vocal fry? Uh, uh, oh, it's a little early in the morning for that. But, I, I thought mean, that I know was that the I'm vocal fry. Vocal fry, but to sing and no, like, but. I'll demonstrate what I understand is vocal okay. fry. Uh, uh, like that. Yeah. yeah. That it, is vocal so fry. So that's not what we're doing when we're singing, but when you hear an artist and they maybe hit a high note and there's that rasp and that growl. That's there, a vocal fry? That's vocal fry. I thought this, the. Uh, I'm going to stop doing that because yeah, people will turn It's kind of a bad off. thing, but there are people who sing intentionally like that on certain parts of a song because it gives more character it gives more emotion it's like ah, you know <laughs> so emo right bands you know rock bands metal like bands they're, stuff. they're 100% vocal fry the entire song <laughs> like that um, <laughs> <laughs> where has this podcast gone um but anyways, ladies and gentlemen, um, we have uh, an exciting opportunity to start the second installment of Pray Like Paul. Correct. That's me sniffing. I apologize. So we're jumping into Ephesians chapter 3 this morning, and I have a special guest on this podcast with me that can't speak, but it does speak, if you know what I'm talking ooh, about. Ooh, ah, ooh. That's the word of God. Listen to this, folks. That's the pages of a Bible from the 1800s being turned, and it's open to Ephesians chapter 3 right now, but I had mentioned a few podcasts ago, actually in the Exalted Christ, about my grand great-grandfather's Bible, and I actually brought it this morning, and it's weathered, it's torn, it looks like it survived a fire, I'm not even joking, and this was given to my great-grandfather by a Frenchman in World War I when he was in France. And uh, every page of this Bible, not every page, but the majority of the pages have been written in, underlined. Some of this might have been by the Frenchman. And so I was on a journey to figure out uh, if my grandfather had maybe written anything in here. Because as far as I'm concerned, my dad was the pioneer of faith for our family. And his dad was an atheist. And he was so against God. My dad. Could we say hostile to the gospel? He, he was hostile to the gospel. To the point where when my dad got saved, my dad got radically saved, like, in the middle of his life. And he would preach the gospel to my grandfather. And my grandfather was so sick and tired of it that one time he, my dad, you know, was telling him about Jesus again. He pinned him up against the wall and held him by his neck and said, if you ever talk to me about Jesus again, we're through. We're done. So my dad discerned that situation and stopped talking to him for a while, but he would write him in his birthday cards, things like that. And in the birthday cards, he would, you know, put little nuggets of truth, nuggets of the gospel, nuggets of Christ's love in there. And my grandpa, you know, being an atheist, being someone who basically hated all of that, you would think that he just threw those in the trash. Just recently, we were going through some of my dad's old stuff. We found all of the birthday cards and the letters that my dad had written my grandfather. He had saved them. Wow. And they meant a lot to him. So anyways, let's go back even further in time. Great-grandfather, his name is Charlie Mace. He's in the war. So I'm looking, and I found a few spots in this Bible where there is English words um, because everything else is written in French and things like that. So I'm like, okay. Um, So I look at this English Bible or 
that is an English Bible, but um, the English words in this Bible. And I'm like, you know what? This might be my grandfather's writing. I need to look through it. So I can start going through old files, old glass negatives that he wrote on. He was a photographer in the war. And we're combing through everything. Finally find things that are written in English or not in cursive. Sorry. They're caps. They're all written caps. Written in print. Yeah, written in print. And I'm like, this looks oddly similar. So I open up the Bible. I find this this document that he had written on. And sure enough, man, they, the, the shoe fits. That's awesome. So your great-grandfather, we're not sure if he had a relationship with the Lord, no. but he at least started writing he in this started Bible writing and reading that was given Bible. to him yeah. during the Great War, World yes. War One, in France. And yes, that so Bible is on the table right Bible now. That Bible is on the table. So that's really cool. We keep discovering new things about my family. And I think God just has a way of preserving things that matter. And obviously the Word of God matters. But just understanding that he actually was able to read this Bible. He cared about my dad or cared cared about um, preserving this. And then my grandfather cared about what my dad had to say. And he got saved on his deathbed. Um, this is really cool. We'll, we'll get into the podcast. In this, just is, a minute. this is but the podcast. But my dad's dad, you know, he's the one who pinned my dad against the wall and said, don't ever talk to me about yes. this again. He was sick later in his life. He got radiation from the war. He was in World War II. And um, he smoked his whole life. So he had throat cancer. And um, uh, at the end of his life, he was in really rough shape. He was in a coma. And my dad went in there and he said, God, if there's anything you can do for me, I need to know that this guy, this guy, my dad is going to be saved. If you could do one thing for me. So my dad prayed, wake him up from his coma. And sure enough, he woke up from his coma. My dad talked to him about Jesus. They prayed the prayer together. My grandfather agreed. And shortly after that, he passed away. Amazing. So awesome story. Um now let's, let's jump into uh, Ephesians chapter 3. My Bible is actually in 2 Corinthians, which is great. So I need to just flip this real quick without breaking the pages. Would you mind if I read the yeah. prayer? Yes. We're at Ephesians 3, verse 14 through 21. Just as Ephesians 1 ended in a prayer, Ephesians 3 ends in a prayer, and we're jumping in again. Verse 14... Here it says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever mm. We all said, Amen. Amen. I mean, <laughs> yeah, when I read scriptures like this, you know, it's so beautiful. I mean, there's books of poetry in the Bible, there's, there's accounts of history, but when I read this, I just feel in my heart, you can just tell that this was directly inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the way that he says this, it's just powerful. Like, even if you're not well versed in scripture, you read this, you just feel like mm, there's something more to it. It just feels. Inspired. It's almost it like feels... standing in front of a painting and going, I may not understand everything about this painting or <laughs> be able to awesome. extract from it all the life, but I can tell this is an amazing piece of art. Yes. There's some scriptures you just read them and you're like, man, that is that is God's word on page. That is the word. That is Jesus 
coming alive to me through the scriptures. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> I get it, man. So he says this, for this reason, I bow my knee. So it's good to maybe get some context. We're not going to read everything that happened before, but he basically says a bunch of things and says, for this reason, I'm going to be praying for you. And he really talks about how he was the least of all the saints. He's actually coming from a place of humility. And really what he's describing is that God's great plan that he's just humbled to be a part of it. And the church's job is to be a part of this too, which is revealing the mystery of Christ through the ages, which we know if you if you read the, the letters of Paul, we know that it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's that mystery that's being revealed. And that's supposed to be broadcast to the world. And the church's job is to help fulfill that. And so he's saying, hey, I'm a part of this plan, but man, I was the least of all the saints. And I'm just, I'm just happy to be here, right? Um, I'm, I'm coming from a place of humility. So in that place of humility, he's starting his prayer off and he says this, that, um, for this reason, I bow my knee. Now in the culture back then, most prayers happened from a standing position with arms raised. Um, so really for him to get on his knees was really signifying that place of seriousness and humility. So he goes, he says this, for this reason, I bow my knee unto the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So he's praying to the Father. Um, so I forgot the exact um, way that you uh, have said it or that prayer school has said it, but it's a really great way to structure your prayers. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing. Yeah. Can we pray to Jesus? Sure. Absolutely. absolutely. Can we pray to the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Kind of. <laughs> sure. It, it is the Godhead. It is right. three, three beings one. in one. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. But Jesus provided access so we could actually be with yeah. the Father. That right. was something that we couldn't do before Jesus. Right. There was separation. There was a veil. But now we can pray to the Father and a better understanding is realizing I have a father in heaven and I can relate to him as a child. What I've noticed about this, and I mentioned it at our first take, because this actually is our second take. I'm not sure I was supposed to mention no. that. But <laughs> we really are taking a second stab at this podcast. <laughs> the first time we did this podcast, I realized as I was reading this that Paul is really praying in the format of the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. Because he does mention the Father, but then he says this, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He's praying from a spot of unity and understanding that he's not just having a personal relationship to his Father, but it's our Father. And if you remember in the Lord's Prayer, it doesn't say to pray in the manner of my Father who art in heaven. No, the wording is our Father who art in heaven. And sometimes when we pray, because we are in a personal relationship with the Lord and the Father, but it's not just a personal relationship. We've been invited into a whole family. It's good to remember as we start praying that we're in a family. It's not just about you and me, Father. It's about us. The church isn't about me. It's about we. Not about me, but we. That's good. So he goes on to say this, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. I like that riches of his glory. I'm reminded of another, uh, uh, another uh, passage of scripture that Paul wrote. Um, and I always get these two confused. Is it, it's Philippians 4.13 
or 19, my God shall supply all of your needs. 19 is meeting all the needs. Gotcha. According to his riches in glory. And I think that's awesome. There's something to be said about being in the glory, being in the presence of God that supplies needs, supplies financial needs, it supplies spiritual needs, physical needs. Like you being strengthened really relies upon not just the glory of God, but experiencing the manifested presence of God in your life. And when you experience the glory, you become strengthened on the inside. Absolutely. And again, we see themes that keep getting prayed out from the Apostle Paul. He's not just praying specifically for situations. These are letters to churches, and he does mention people by name, but these core prayers aren't dealing with specific scenarios with specific people. No, they're going beyond that. He's not just putting out fires, as Pastor Mark and those who have taught us at New Creation say. So many times we hear about certain situations, and what do we tell people? Oh, I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to pray for that. And we deal with the specific scenario instead of undergirding the person with what matters most and what matters most with people. Well, there's a few things, their faith, their love, their strength. And he's praying about strength and he's not praying about strength of character. Uh, well, he is praying about strength of character, but not strength of personality or ability to communicate effectively, or let's say relevance to the community. No, he prays about strength in their inner man. Now, inner man, I believe is synonymous with spirit man. Is that fair to say? Fair. Can you just say the three parts of people? Because we just talked about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but we're made in his image and likeness. So we're three parts as well. What are those three parts? Spirit, soul, and body. And another way to remember the importance of it is that you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. It's good to remind yourself that you are not just your mind, will, and emotions, which is your soul. You're not just your current weight, whether you're on a bulk or on a cut and you're trying to lose weight. You're not your acne. You're not your receding hairline. (laughs) You're none of those things. You are a spirit, but you do have a soul and you have this earth suit that allows you to walk around on this earth, but you are a spirit. And Paul gets right to the point and prays for strength in the inner man, the spirit man. Right. And I'm reminded even what the psalmist said that a strong spirit of a man sustains him bodily with in but bodily in, harm and in times of trouble, something yep. like that. Yeah, Proverbs eighteen fourteen. <laughs> yeah, so I'm thinking about that. So not the not the strong uh, muscles of a man, right? Come on. And I've experienced this myself. You know, uh, in 2019, I broke my foot, and uh, I recognized that my spirit man was weaker than it should have because I allowed that to really break me. Um, and I had to, it was a kind of a tough recovery for me mentally and spiritually speaking, because I hadn't built up my spirit man to handle with, to handle that time of trouble. And so when we face times of trouble, it doesn't matter how strong you are physically, how much you've accomplished anything in the natural, that will not sustain you. It's the strength of your spirit man, the real you. It's the strength of your spirit that's going to get you through those times. So Paul understands this, and that's why he's praying this over the church, man, that we need to be strengthened with his might, by his spirit in the inner man. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. I'm going to stop there because this is one run-on sentence. It's a good sentence, but it covers like three uh, three verses or four verses. So let's just break down verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded 
in love. And so this is really interesting. And I've mentioned this before. I'll mention it again. Get yourself a concordance. Start breaking down the word, uh, uh, the word of God and see what it means. See what the original uh, writings in Hebrew and, and the translations in Greek were actually saying. Because the English language is kind of a, what's a good word for the English language? It's kind of lazy. <laughs> incomplete to biblical thought. There's a whole lot yeah. more that we can extract from the Bible yeah. that supersedes any, right. I would say any one English translation of yeah. the Bible. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So there are two ancient Greek words that are really used um, the majority of the time to describe this phrase here. I'm using quotation marks to live in, right? That something would, that you would live in something or somewhere or that Christ would live in you, right? So there's two Greek words for to live in. One of them is really speaking as visiting a place as a stranger, and that's used oftentimes in the Bible. But there's another ancient Greek word. I can't remember exactly what, what that word is, but I know the definition of the word, and it means to take up permanent residence and make your home there. And that's that Greek word that they use for dwell. And so Christ shouldn't be someone who's visiting your heart as a stranger, right? And so many times that's what I believe mental assent is. You know, we're like, yeah, I believe in Jesus, right? And you may have a uh, an experience, a moment with him once, you know, uh, at a camp or a service or town by the river you feel like you've experienced God but to truly have a relationship with him is to is to let him take up permanent residence which means you have to understand the love of God and let that enter your heart and create space and room for Jesus to live and dwell yeah I'm thinking <laughs> of Jesus's first time coming on the scene on the earth in a manger mm -hmm. in a stable now, that wasn't permanent residence. It was visiting, no. but it wasn't a comfortable spot for him to be in. He was a baby. He didn't really have much cognitive reasoning to know what situation it was in. But for his parents, it wasn't a ideal scene. It was dirty. It was loud. It was cluttered. It wasn't nice. His second residence coming back through his spirit to live in a heart. What kind of condition is that in? Is it a homey atmosphere for Jesus? Some homes I go into, I go, this is homey. I like it. I can sleep <laughs> on this person's couch. Some houses I go into, I go, I want to get out as quick as possible. Yeah. There's cat hair. There's boxes everywhere. There's food left out. Mm -hmm. There's sink smells. I think it's a worst. good question to ask, how is our heart? Is our heart comfortable for Jesus to permanently dwell in? He's staying there. Right. Are we taking care of our heart so it's a comfortable residence for our Lord and Savior, Jesus? I love that because you might have the desire and say, like, Jesus, like, I want you. <laughs> yeah, I want you here, right? But if, I mean, I, I could I could really want you to come over to my house, right? And But if it's in a mess, like you're saying, you're probably not going to want to stay there. Am I saying that Jesus is going to resist you? No. But we are saying that you need to make a suitable environment, even if the desire is there. If, if if the space that you have or haven't created isn't adequate, it doesn't matter how much the desire And what a is. motivating factor. Have you ever had a meeting in your house or somebody coming by and you freak out? You panic. I'm not speaking to you. I can speak to myself. I freak out and panic. This person's coming by. We have to clean up. And mm -hmm. that could be for a dinner or a simple walkthrough. For example, literally today, 
we are renters and our landlords are doing their walkthrough that they do biannually. Mm-hmm. And my wife last night was like, we've got to clean. I'm like, our house isn't bad. It's fine. Just deal with it. But she was adamant. No, we got to mop the floors. You got to go to the opposite room. And I know we use it as a storage room, but you got to clean it up. You got to make sure this is put away. All this for a temporary, probably 15 minute meeting. What about the condition of our heart? If we treat that in the natural, so emphatically, spiritually, that our Lord and Savior would live in our hearts. Do we use that as a motivating force to clean up our heart? Because man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart, and he does more than that. He lives in our heart. That's good, man. We take that for granted. And a lot of times, even when I come, when I, when I enter into prayer, we, and we just talked about earlier in this podcast about how we pray to the Father through the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus made access to the Father available. And we think about that in the Old Testament tabernacle, and now that we are temples, but still such a great high price was, was paid. And now we are priests, right? The Bible, the New Testament says that we are kings and priests. And the priest's job in the Old Testament, it was... Like if they screwed up, they would die. Not because God's mean, because but because man is imperfect and sinful, and God is perfect and holy, and those two things don't mesh. So they had to go through like the perfect ritual and do everything completely right, or they would die. And now we don't even think about the ritual. We don't even think about the price that was paid. We just we just come in with our mess. Does God accept you in your mess? Yes, he loves you no matter what. But as priests under our God, we should be taking account of the condition of our heart and how we access the throne room and how we, like, like, it's good to always remember, man, like, the fact that I can just come to you in prayer right now is a really big deal because everybody before the the crucifixion and resurrection could not do that. And so it's a really big deal that we can just, we can do that. And the fact that we can even read the word right now I mean, I, I'm amazing. getting off of Ephesians chapter but three. But your here. heart's burning with right, love right but I'm, now. I'm just even thinking about uh, uh, the dark ages and how the Bible was literally banned for a thousand years, and only the the, the leaders monks. of the church could could read it. And now we're 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 breaking it open at a in in, in a podcast. <laughs> what just an get, honor! Seriously, I, what an honor! I want to say this real quick, and then we'll move on to the next verse. But after it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, he says this, that you being rooted and grounded in love. And now Jesus isn't in his bodily form living in our heart. Actually, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But Jesus promised that he would send another of the exact same kind, which is the Holy Spirit, and he would abide with us forever. Yeah. So the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit is living in our hearts. And this just reminds me, what's the connection with him abiding in our hearts and then us being rooted and grounded in love? Well, if you look at Romans 5, it says that the Holy Spirit would shed the love of God abroad in our heart. When we make a comfortable dwelling and allow the Holy Spirit to dwell in our hearts, the byproduct is us walking in love. And the byproduct of us walking in love is that we're rooted and grounded. We aren't tossed to and fro. We're stable through the difficulties of life. And the picture example I always think of is one of those big southern living oak trees that deal with... Hurricane after hurricane. Some of them are hundreds and hundreds of years old. Been through the storms of life. But good timber doesn't grow with ease. Stronger the wind, stronger stronger the the trees. And the difficulties of life just drive you deeper in love. 
When a tree deals with drought seasons, difficulty, and its root systems deep, what happens is those roots go even deeper to find water. And I believe when we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we steward what God has given us in himself by his spirit. And difficulties come, we actually go deeper into the love of God. We don't retreat from it. Amen. I love that. And you just think about uh, going back to that oak tree. I was going to pull up. My phone is deciding to not search anything. It's, it's like the data is gone and the Wi-Fi is gone. <laughs> That's okay. It's totally fine. So, you know, if anything's going to grow tall or if you're going to build anything tall or anything magnificent, it's got to have a good yeah. structural base. Yes. The roots grow deep, but they also grow wide. You know, this is trivia. I think you know this, but the, the biggest single living organism e- ecosystem that there is in the earth. Aspen trees. Aspen trees. You see big aspen groves on the mountains. You know, when you're driving to Denver and you see an entire hillside full of aspen trees, all those aspens are one ecosystem. All their roots are connected. So I just think that's cool. Something structurally sound, it has to have a good foundation. I'm thinking of a song. I don't remember who's saying it, but there's a phrase at the end of the course that says, and I'm I'm probably going to butcher it. I think it says, the house don't crumble when the bones are good. You know, Mm. have you ever heard that song? Never heard that song. And so that's what they say about houses. You know, it could be old, but you look at the structure, you say, man, the bones are good. And that means that foundation and the framework Mm -hmm. is solid and you can, you can rest assured that that house is going to stand. Praise God. And so the, the framework, the, the foundation, the, the, the root system, like you said, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of, you're uh, putting a different flavor on it. Yeah. You're putting the Jonathan Rossler twist on it. Yeah. It is love. And you can't experience the fullness and all the facets of Christ's amazing love for you. You're going into verse 18 right now. Do it brother. If you're, not first rooted and grounded in the love that is put in there when you're saved and you need like you said you're not tossed to and fro but you have a a good understanding of that love you're 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 uh you're you're locked in right yes and that doesn't mean you know everything but that's a position for you to start and grow in the fullness of god's love so good amen so says and to know the love of christ Oh, sorry, I just went right over it. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And I love that too because so many things in life are one-dimensional and you look at it and you're like, that's what it is. But that's never the case with, mm. with God. That's what it is. No, there, as Addison Bevere likes to put it, the otherness of God. Right. There's so many facets to, to God that you'll never be able to figure him out and that you shouldn't lose hope because he says right here, I want you to explore the depths. I want you. I think the message is it the message Bible. It says, it says, plunge to the depths, explore I the do heights, think it, climb to the heights. Uses those right? words. Yeah. So it's talking about it, it should be fun. Explore the nature of God, um, because ultimately, he he's a good God and he loves you. And sometimes we think like, we're, uh, like, how, how do I put this? Like, I need to say it correctly. That's okay. Sometimes, even in my own life, you're scared to learn more about God because you feel like there's going to be guilt and shame. And I and, get this idea. I don't yeah. think this is what you're saying, but I'll jump in here. The more I learn about God, the more he's going to learn about me or the more he's going to reveal about yeah. me. So surface level, yes. he's not going to go as deep. But all things are naked and open to God. Right. That's not a threat. We should go deeper with him. No, that's exactly what I'm saying. As um. I'm even reminded of a song that you shared with me that was never released by what's her name, and it was called Corridors. Full access. Full and access. It just yeah. got released. Oh, it did. 
Nice. What's her name again? Dara McLean. Dara McLean, yeah. And so she says, you can have full access. And she basically says, you can explore every corridor. Every room in my heart. So that, that's what I'm talking about. We, we were like, man, the more I get to know God, like that closet, the junk closet that nobody wants to, that I don't want anyone to see, he's going to see it. But the reality is he already knows about the junk closet. Is he like okay with the junk closet? Probably not, but he's not judging you for it. And he wants to help you clean it out. Glory, <laughs> right? He wants to help you cut the grass that hasn't been mowed all summer, right? He wants to help you with those things. So explore the nature of God because the deeper you explore, the more you're going to find out that he loves you and he's not judging you. Um, and this just, just reminds just me reminder. the importance, the lardness. <laughs> it's not lard. Largeness. <laughs> the largeness of love. That was hilarious. <laughs> Something's funny about the word lard. Lard. Uh, Keep that in the podcast. Tallow it's hilarious. Choose. <sighs> Tallow just sounds better. I don't know which yes. one's better. I, I don't cook with either. Back to my point. <laughs> the largeness of God. The largeness of God's <laughs> love reminds me of what Mark Hankins shared in one of his books. He was going through one of the translations, and I believe it was actually a 1 Corinthians 13, but he said that Paul made it his quest and he did yeah. the word search of quest. And that means to devote 20 years of your life to something. Paul wrote Ephesians and he wrote first Corinthians 13. And he speaks of this indescribable, incomprehensible, but that God's called us to, to some degree comprehend mm -hmm. of love. And it's something that is worth putting 20 years of our life towards. That's At how least. large God's love is. Amen. So, he goes on to say, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth, I'm in the King James, <laughs> that passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. So um, this is cool too. If you look at the Greek, there's actually two words, predominant words for knowledge. There's one that's gnosis and there's another one that's epignosis. Gnosis is is very um, surface level. It's just it's just a, a basic say book understanding. Smarts. Yeah. Book smarts, or I think just even, I think the, one of the references was just science. It's just kind of, um, I'll just keep saying surface level because I know science isn't surface level, but in terms of God's knowledge, what we know is even if we know a lot, it's still just, it's milk toast. <laughs> that's a phrase we use for something that's just average, right? Yes, milk sir. and toast. You don't hate it, but is it great? No, it's milk toast, <laughs> right? And then there's epignosis, which is a deep understanding and intimacy. Um, it is the difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge, mental ascent and true revelation. So when he says it, when it, the love of Christ, which passeth all knowledge, that word knowledge is gnosis. So the, the, the goal here that Paul is trying to get us to is that we would have such an understanding of God's love that we would pass that basic gnosis level and we'd get into the epic gnosis level and i think these are the same words that were used when paul was talking to timothy and he said in the last days men are going to be lovers of themselves they're going to be he goes on and lists all the really bad things and he says this always learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth so that word always learning is the gnosis and but never coming to the knowledge of the truth is epic gnosis so staying in the realm of gnosis which is just mental ascent and never getting yeah. Epic, Never coming to experience it. Yeah. And the love of God is epic. You should get into epic. It's actually with a G, epic gnosis. But. I have a friend who has a podcast, and actually it was his birthday yesterday. And every episode that he does, 
he his main title is Epic. Epic gnosis. gnosis. Yeah. Yes. So he used the play of words on that. Right. So don't be, don't be. You should be content with where you're at, but you want to always be learning and growing because most of us, and I would say this, most of my understanding probably right now is in that gnosis level. Let's say what we say to high school girls who want to be in a relationship. Don't settle. Don't settle right. for natural <laughs> knowledge. Go deeper to experience the love of God and yeah. take the advice of Kim Walker. When you know right. it, you know it. You would never be the same. You'd never be the same. And if you're your like, what are you talking about? Jesus Culture God. did a version of how he loves. And Kim Walker, as she used to do, would just go off yeah. spontaneously. And there's a section where she's talking about the love of God. And she'd say, you'd know. And you would know. You'd <laughs> never be the same. Right. And that's true. And when you get a taste of God's love, you don't realize, I got it all. You go, right. I want to come back to this experience for more. Right. And what I was saying earlier about Christ dwelling in your heart, the people who might experience Christ in a moment and you're like, man, that was amazing. But you go back to your old life. I feel like those epic moments where you're radi- like radically just poof, hit with Christ's love, that's epic gnosis. Imagine getting to a realm where that experience is happening, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the, the love of God being in you so much and you understanding it so much that those conference experiences are happening daily because you are you're just learning and getting revelation of his love. And the disciple who experienced Jesus's love arguably, arguably to the greatest <laughs> degree, I'm struggling with words today, but thank you for being patient, audio listener, would be the Apostle John. And he had this desire to experience it. That's why he said, behold what manner of love yeah. the Father has bestowed upon us. Like, take your time, yeah, stop. get in solitude, mm-hmm. separate yourself, and look into as one gazing into a well at the love of God yeah. and receive from it because you will experience it. Mm-hmm. We don't behold many things because we're like, our life is so fast paced. Mm. We're going and we're going and we're going. And I know we're over time here, but I'll share this scripture scripture. It's a testimony is I was driving to Denver. I've shared this with you before. Um, going to pick up my now wife. Um, actually I was going to go visit her and I thought I was running. I was actually was running late and, um, I'm driving, um, right before you get to Frisco, there's a place called officers Gulch. I've always known that there's like a lake over there. I never really went and stopped. And I was like arrested by the Holy spirit. I'm driving. He goes, you need to pull off. You need to pull off. I'm like, I'm going to be late. I got to go see my girl. And he goes, no, just pull off. So I, I listened, I pulled off. And I was like, man, this lake is beautiful. And I started looking at it. I'm like, look at that. There's a duck on the pond. Like, look at that log. You know, it fell over and it's dead, but it's beautiful how it's casting a reflection in the water. And I'm looking at everything and the pine trees and the smells. I'm like, wow. And then the Lord just said in my spirit, this is what behold really means. That's awesome. He goes, you know, you knew this was here all along. You never stopped to behold it. And now look how much more you appreciate its beauty. I'm like, dang. So that's what it is with the word of God. We pass over scriptures all the time. We read things. We say, yeah, I know it. I know it. I know it. But behold literally means to stop and to take it in. I like what you said is to gaze into a well, to take some time. It's going to, and this is, this was the cool thing is that my flight was actually delayed and I was on time. And even though I stopped. So, um, why don't you read the last part of the scripture? The verse, verses. verse 20 and 21 say, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. 
I think once we get the love of God and we start to experience the width, the breadth, the depth, the height, all of these different aspects of the love of God, it changes what verse 20 means to us. A lot of us quote verse 20 without really spending the time to dive into the love of Christ. So when we think about him doing above and beyond, that means we ask for a Prius and God gives us a Mercedes, Mercedes, which is great. I'm not saying God doesn't care about those monetary things, but when the love of God abides in our heart through the Holy Spirit and we start to experience a multifaceted nature of the love of God, it's no longer about me getting a Bugatti instead of right. a Prius. It's about me experiencing forgiveness to my father that I had never forgiven. Mm-hmm. It's about me going on a mission trip and reaching a people group that I never thought I'd reach. God doing things larger than life, larger than monetary measures in my life that I never expected. Yeah. I mean, fulfilling the great commission and living out the word truly is so beyond us and we really can't do it without his help. And that's really what like you said, what Paul is talking about, not necessarily about monetary things, but he just went on and, and talked about how amazing the love of God was. And even before that, how this is the mystery that's like, that's going to be revealed throughout the ages. And it's like, this is crazy, dude. And he goes, yeah, it's above what we could even think, but we can do it through, exactly. through Christ. I think it's the same process that happened in 37th chapter of Psalm where The psalmist says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So when you delight, when you meditate on the love of God, he changes what your heart wants. Same things happen in Ephesians 3. When you start to explore the different natures of the love of Christ, what does he do? He changes what you're asking about. And when you start asking according to God, he'll go above and beyond what you ever asked. Yeah. But the first spot, the returning spot, is the love of God. Yeah. And like he says, he says all that, but then he says, um, unto him be glory in the church. So all of us operating in, in the facets of his love and us growing in that is not for our own glory. It's not for our own gain, but it's to glorify Christ. And he said this, if I be exalted, I'll draw all men unto me. So the whole purpose of this, the whole purpose of growing in your relationship with God, growing in love, being grounded and rooted and grounded in it is to bring further glory to Christ. Praise God. Amen. I think we got to a good yeah, that's, resolution that's a one. I, I kind of I kind of went off the uh took a rabbit trail, I should say. That's okay. Did you get the rabbit? It was a rabbit hunt. Did you get the rabbit? Funny story, a rabbit was living in my wife's van. Oh no. In the engine compartment. And we didn't know it because like we'd park inside and then I'd see little pieces of poop in the, in the garage. And I'm like, when, what is happening? So, and then I feel like this rabbit had a baby in my, in my garage. I showed you the picture Yes. right next to the wall. There was a, a copious amount of blood. And I was like, either something died in here. And so anyways, uh, after a few days of trying to figure this out, finally, I thought it was coming from my truck, um, because the poop was around my truck. So I lifted the hood of my truck. I looked all through that, did not think it was in my wife's truck at all. And in my wife's van. So finally I was like, I'm going to just pop the hood. And right there, lo and behold, was a massive rabbit. It freaked out, climbed even further into the engine bay. I parked it outside, got the leaf blowers trying to blow it out. And then um, I thought I got it out because I saw rabbit tracks in the snow. I'm like, okay, it's done. It's out. Park it back in. Lo and behold, 
more poop in the garage. No. Yeah. So I parked it outside for a night, froze that guy out, froze him. And well, he, he's alive probably somewhere. I don't know. But it was too cold for him to stay in the vehicle. So he went and found somebody else's vehicle. So now there's no longer a rabbit in the wow. engine compartment of my wife's van. You literally just went on a rabbit trail about, about a rabbit. rabbit. <laughs> I don't know if we have time for wisdom of the day. Maybe we should say it no, real quick. Let's do it. What is your wisdom of the day? Um, I, I just like what you said about um, being rooted in ground. Well, we both kind of talked about it, but um, if you're going to grow in the love of Christ, you have to have a good foundation and be rooted and grounded in it in the first place. So having a uh, basic understanding and being secure and, and, and I, what did you say? You were not going to be tossed to and fro. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so you're able to grow even more, but you got to, you got to have a good foundation. Similar to that, my wisdom of the day comes from just a little bit before that in the prayer about Christ dwelling in my heart. And maybe it's just because today the landlord's doing a walkthrough of my house and how frantically we clean to make sure that temporary visit was accounted for. Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, is permanently dwelling in my heart. Do I show the same emphasis to keeping my heart clean and homey for him so that he can be comfortable in my heart and dwell there? That's the wisdom of the day. I changed mine to yours. I like yours better. I don't know if I honor that. I say you keep your own, (laughs) but that's okay. What's really good is this whole verse from Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Those section of verses, that's the Ephesians 3 prayer. Wow. Pray like Paul. You good. It's awesome. And uh, we'll be back next week on the Sewing and Going podcast with J&J.